Hey everybody, Mike Dempsey here. It's NFL playoff time, and you can still win playing Underdog Fantasy by picking higher or lower on player stats at underdogfantasy.com. Sign up with promo code 1010XL, and Underdog will double your first deposit up to $100. Let's go into the night with Rick Ballou on 1010XL 92.5 FM. two words for you. Fix it! Fix it! (laughs) Particularly in the belly where they're slow and friendly and soft. Ryan Nielsen, if the late Burnt Sugar was here, he'd say, Ryan Nielsen? Ryan Nielsen? Well, he, he ain't even a household name in his own home. But the late bird is no longer with us. My name is Rick Pagoo. I will not do that. The hire is in. Um, you know, everything around here is spaz-like, right? I mean, nothing is concrete. Nothing feels like everyone's on board. Yeah, you know, I was reading over the weekend where three candidates are still there for the job. I think it was 24-7 sports said it was Jesse Minter's job, who's the current defensive coordinator at Michigan. We still don't know if Jim Harbaugh is going to leave Michigan. Is he going to go to Los Angeles? He's interviewed twice there. Bill Belichick is interviewed twice in Atlanta. But there's still a lot out there. The the process has been kind of slow, you know, so far this year. Uh, it, It really has been. But, you know, I read a lot on Ryan Nielsen, uh, the good, the bad, his style. Uh, Again, it's youth movement. He'll be 45 in March, but not a lot of experience. Co-defensive coordinator for six years in New Orleans. Apparently, he's really good along the defensive line, which does work out in Jacksonville. This past year, uh, you know, Atlanta ran a a 3-4. That is primarily the way defenses are run nowadays, and it feels like whenever we make a big deal about a 3-4 or 4-3 or somewhere there's a hybrid in between uh, the quick defenses. Well, it really doesn't even matter, right? Jacksonville's in nickel most of the time. Teams you face are employing three wide receiver sets. Get yourself a nickel. Get yourself two shutdown corners, and that whole talk about the line of scrimmage is perhaps overrated. Well, that's one thing that sticks out here. And numbers do support it. Analytics do support it. We'll get to them a little bit later on in the program. But statistically speaking, Nielsen loves to run man-to-man defense. Jacksonville is a zone defensive team. And their best players, their best corners, when healthy, are better in zone-type coverage. Darius Williams had a very good year, final year of his contract. There's some talk that he could be let go. I'd be very surprised by it. They're going to have to find some money here, and you could recoup around $10 million by cutting him. I don't think 
that is what Trent Baalke is going to do. At this point, I also don't know if Trent Baalke has full say on everything. Again, it's it's spaz, you know? It's kind of like, you know, one thing is said and another thing is done. And rumors and innuendo and this being thrown out there and that being thrown out there. We don't know. All right? What we do know is that they're incredibly um, non-vocal. There's zero communication. They are the least transparent team in the NFL. They're going to keep it all in-house. They're going to keep it all under wraps. And so we'll continue to speculate here. We'll continue to guess here. We'll talk to those and form opinions as to what is going on right now with this team. The the hiring of Ryan Nielsen is, for me, brand new. I'm not going to lie to you. I don't know a lot about it. He had an impressive year in Atlanta, but he's young. He didn't have a lot of experience. Typically, when you are a coach or you are a owner of an organization, an owner of a franchise, you go from one to the other to the other to the other, right? You never bring in the same. Tom Coughlin to Jack Del Rio was quite a change. Uh, Jack Del Rio to Mike Malarkey was a change. Mike Malarkey to Gus Bradley, Gus Bradley to Doug Marone, Doug Marone to Urban Meyer, Urban Meyer to Doug Peterson. They're all different. You tend to do the opposite. Well, what did Doug Peterson do when he was given the keys to this franchise? He hired young coordinators with no experience. Mike Caldwell, oh, man, he learned under Todd Bowles. He learned under the great minds in Tampa. They never did things two times in a row. They'd blitz from anywhere on the field. Come on. Mike Caldwell's defense was boring. Mike Caldwell's defense was vanilla ice cream. There was nothing, you know, there was nothing exotic about it. Maybe every once in a while against the Baltimore, you'd employ a third linebacker. Or perhaps you'd get some Dewey and you'd get a third safety. But come on. I mean, just look at the, look at the games we witnessed yesterday. Look at the blitzing that went on in both of those games on Sunday. And, and obviously the flip side of that is teams had a lot of success running the football. You know, it's even Buffalo, a loser. That, that offensive line was outstanding yesterday for the Bills. And frankly, that's what I hope this team can do more than any. Uh, I'm sure Ryan Nielsen's going to come in here and want to make a lot of changes. He obviously impressed during his interview. Is he bringing coaches with him from Atlanta? Well, I would think so. If it's going to be Bill Belichick, Bill's going to bring in his own staff. So hopefully that is the case, that, that coaches do come along with him. But remember, Mike Caldwell, no experience. Fired after two years. Brand new special teams coordinator. Brand new offensive coordinator. And outside of Trent Baalke, no one is receiving more criticism right here in Jacksonville than Press Taylor. I mean, I don't even have to put out a survey. I don't even have to ask you. I, I just get them. I get them on the text line, 641-1010, brought to you by Lifetime Enclosures. I get it on my personal phone. You don't want Press Taylor calling plays anymore. So, Young, inexperienced, offensive, defensive, and special team coordinators. A young offensive line coach who had one year under his belt calling the offensive line plays in Minnesota. And, you know, obviously, Doug Peterson knew when he convinced Trent Baalke and he convinced Shad Khan. uh, Actually, I shouldn't say convinced Trent Baalke. He didn't convince Trent Baalke of anything. 
If so, it wouldn't have taken five weeks to get him here. Okay? I mean, if that doesn't spell what in the hell is going on, I'll never know. Five weeks to get him? You brought him in. You brought in Jim Caldwell. It took five more weeks? So, no, I, I, I don't think uh, he was the guy, and they saw eye to eye. But my feeling has always been, Bulky is the, you know, he's the ultimate talent, um, uh, not provider, the, the ultimate talent um, finder, right? He's, Trent Bulky is Mr. Due Diligence. He's going to run everything through his lab with all of his materials, the full autopsy, the dissection, and, you know, you're going to get yourself a tight end in the second round. You're going to get yourself a back in the third round. Meanwhile, you can't run the ball and you can't defend the run. All right? We'll talk more about that. Hell, only 94 days till the draft. Don't blink. Don't blink, man. Before you know it, the draft's going to be here. Free agency, what, six weeks away? It's, it's nuts. It's the 22nd day of January. But typically, you go the other direction. You go the direction of Leslie Frazier. You go the direction of Wink Martindale. You go in the direction of Joe Cullen for maybe a, a third tour here. Former defensive line coach. Yes, he was lost in one season as a coordinator under Urban Meyer, and I get it. He's still employed right now. He is with the Chiefs, and they're getting ready to go to the road on Sunday to take on the Baltimore Ravens. That, that's what I was hoping for. It's nothing against Ryan Nielsen. I don't know about Ryan Nielsen, and I've read a lot, but we're going to go out to Atlanta in just a, uh, in just a few minutes and um, you know, look forward to uh, bringing in uh, uh, Chris D'Amico, who is going to join us, and uh, Chris has been in Atlanta for forever. He's been there as long as I've been here. So he is absolutely on top of everything that is Atlanta Falcons football. And right there, they have to be probably very excited about what they are expecting, and that is the announcement of Bill Belichick. But my understanding is that people in Atlanta are upset about they wanted to hang on to this defensive coordinator. So let's learn what type of style of defense he runs. Also, what type of human being is he? What type of guy is he? Is he soft-spoken? Is he a player's coach like Mike Cobwell? Is he a little animated and a little vocal like perhaps uh, Wink Martindale or you know perhaps Joe Cullen? Okay? Uh, to me, that, that matters. I, I think you need someone who can demand responsibility, accountability, set discipline, but God forbid, do it in a way where you won't lose your team, right? I mean, nowadays with these Generation Z players, you can't raise your voice. You got to make your point doing it in a very, very professional way. These are pros. No more of the old school. That's long gone. You got to do everything with sir and please and thank you, but send the message. They were 30 missed tackles this past year. They sucked as the season went on. Send the message. Raise your voice. Who cares if they want to run home and go somewhere else? You got to discipline this football team.
It wasn't disciplined. It was filled with miscommunication. It was filled with mistakes. So are they bringing in another? Oh, yeah, yeah. We'll work on that. Classroom work tomorrow. Oh, we'll get on that during our walkthrough. Or is this a tough guy who's not going to allow that? I don't know the answer to that question. I don't know what's going on with Ryan Nielsen. But we're going to find out. And again, that's coming up in about 10 minutes right here on your home of the Jaguars. So there you have it, okay? He is now in, and it's one of just a ton of decisions now that that have to be made by this franchise. And, you, you know, it's so hard to try to figure out because they're so secretive over there. And, and don't get me wrong. It's not as though they have to air out everything. But for crying out loud, you don't play a football game for, what, seven months? Uh, I, I mean, give back a little bit. Uh, to you, the consumer. Give back a little bit to you, the fan. Give back to this one-horse town that is starving for Jaguar football. I've already noticed slightly a change from some of you fans that that's it, I'm not doing it anymore, I'm never coming back, bulky. And, And I always argue with you on that because I know you're coming back. But the last bit of communication that you received was Doug Peterson telling you that he needed a couple of days to figure it out, and yet two, two and a half hours after the fact, the entire defensive staff outside of basically Bill Shuey was fired. Okay, so you can label that any way that you want. I'll label it with the same word I gave the 2023 Jaguars, miscommunication. I mean, there's no defense to it. That was a colossal mistake, and it's all forgotten if you win. It's all forgotten if you begin September and you win. But during this massive hangover, that's the last thing that you are... Didn't Doug Peterson tell us a couple of days? It happens two, two and a half hours later? I mean, that is so Jacksonville. That is so this organization. It's perfect for this organization. I mean, it's. would you expect anything less out of this organization? Honestly. I mean, it's so par for the course. Um, so, you know, we got a lot to do. I, I do. My my understanding is this: it's not really going to affect all that much with your front seven. Okay, the the big changes are going to be in your contain. It is going to be in your secondary, where his belief is totally different than what Deshae Townsend ran and what Mike Caldwell ran, okay? I don't know if the Jaguars have the horses, if they have the athletes, if they have the talent to play man-to-man football in the NFL. I don't know the answer to that question. What I do know is Jacksonville has always been far more productive as a zone football team. And apparently, this had to, I got to believe, priority number one, if not priority number two, during this interview. What style of defense are you going to run? Here's our talent. Let's look at the film. Or was there a continuation to this that said, all right, I'm coming. I'm going to run your defense, but you have to add this and you have to add that. And when it comes to this team, 
adding this and adding that in my world is so far down the line. You have two guys in the final year of their contract in Campbell and Williams. And again, you got to decide, are you going to pay these players top money? Are you going to allow them to leave via free agency? Uh, What is this organization going to do? But to me, it's issue number four or issue number five or issue number six. You're not going to win in this league without a good offensive line, and you don't have one. Just look at the playoff football that you witnessed Saturday and Sunday, and look at the teams who advanced. They run the ball. Tampa can't run the ball, right? They can't do it. Buffalo ran the ball. All right, they lost. They made some mistakes. They missed the field goal. Also, you know, obviously one of the best wide receivers in the game when push came to shove and he had to make a play, Stephon Diggs dropped a football. I mean, all year we heard about him complaining, his brother complaining, get him out of buck. I mean, the guy dropped the ball. When you need Christian Kirk a year ago dropped the ball. Jamal Agnew a year ago dropped the ball. Okay, you could offer Kirk and Agnew for Diggs and is not a general manager in the NFL who would make that trade because Diggs is considered one of the top five. He dropped the ball with the game on the line. And we'll see what ends up happening there. That's Buffalo's problem, which, by the way, is just uh, is this fantastic. I mean, it's things like that that do make at least my job that much more enjoyable. And I think a lot of you folks out there as well, what a miserable fan base. I've always said this. They're all bark. They're no bite. They're not. They're the lowest common denominator, jumping on tables, catching on fire. What a pack of idiots. Uh, the, you know, Bill's Mafia. And there are certain things you and I are never going to witness in our lifetime. One of them is the Buffalo Bills winning a Super Bowl. It's not going to happen. And anyway, they're all uptight right now. Can you imagine waking up in that city? At least it got a little bit warm here tonight. I guess it's going to be better tomorrow. Can you imagine waking up this Monday morning in Buffalo? <laughs> Can you imagine just how bad things must be getting up like that? In Buff- you had the home field. You had the opportunity to finally say goodbye to Kansas City, and you aren't able to do it. All right, coming up in just a couple of minutes, we're going to hear from uh, Chris D'Amico and uh, get the very latest on what is going on with the Atlanta Falcons. And Ryan Nielsen, now in as the new defensive coordinator, really looking forward to the conversation with him. Opening comments tonight brought to you by Schmunez Vision. I've known Dr. Dr. Neil Schmunez for forever. Performed surgery on my right eye over eight and a half years ago. I just went in for a normal eye exam. And he said, you've got an issue. This has got to be removed immediately. And he did it the very next day. It's a large part of what they do. They offer up everything as a family organization, whether it's high-quality medical, surgical eye care. The older you get, the worse your eyes get. Yeah, your prescription's going to change, but it could be much more than that. You could have an issue with your cornea. You could have an issue with cataract. And again, that is something that scares the living snot out of people. Yeah, someone in the office, their husband had surgery, it went poor. Yeah, there's been a lot of those type of stories. That's why you have to be very thorough in your examination as to where you want to go and who you want to do it with. That's why I always recommend 
the good folks at Schmunez Vision. Combined with Dr. Catherine Schmunez, that's more than 30 years worth of experience when it comes to laser eye surgery. So check them out online. Go to SchmunezVision.com. That's SchmunezVision.com. Care you can see. Coming up right now on Into the Night, let's learn about the Jaguars' brand-new defensive coordinator, Ryan Nielsen. That is coming up on Into the Night. Into the Night with Rick Ballou on 1010XL 92.5 FM. The Jaguars have hired a new defensive coordinator. He's 44 years of age. He'll be 45 in March. Ryan Nielsen played at USC, began his career at USC. The last eight years have been in the NFL. Uh, Six years as a co-defensive coordinator in New Orleans. That included a position as a defensive line coach this past year. Wonderful results. Improvement across the board, statistically speaking, for the Atlanta Falcons, including third overall overall and third down conversion rate. But you just look at points per game, yards per game, red zone defense, absolutely improved. And, you know, Jacksonville interviewed five or six different guys. I thought they would go with a little bit more experience. And again, I don't know a great deal about Ryan Nielsen. We are going to hear from Chris Domino in about 10 minutes. Uh, we're going to do a short segment here and uh, then head out to Atlanta and talk to Chris and really get the ins and outs and, and his thoughts on, on what type of a coach he is. Let's bring in the incomparable J.J. La Selva as we begin another week right here on your home of the Jaguars. How was the weekend? Did you enjoy the games? Yeah, I, I didn't think the first – Game was very good, um, and I was shocked to learn that up until the 49ers game, we hadn't even had a change of, or we hadn't had like a, a what do you call it, a change of winner, whoever's winning the game. Yeah, like uh, got out early. Yeah, and the entire playoffs up until that game. So yeah, I, I was excited that we finally had two good games. Green Bay almost pulled it out. Buffalo. Almost pulled it out. Uh, Tampa had a chance. I mean, Love and Baker both with really bad interceptions uh, during their their final possession. The one that really sinks in, though, is, is Buffalo. They had that there for the taking. And Josh Allen getting criticized, tried to go for it all on, what was it, uh, eight yards away from picking up the first down, put themselves in a better situation to – kick what would be a uh, a, a game-tying field goal. But, yeah, I thought um, I, I, I thought it was good. Now, did you come away? I know we have all week to get into it and check injuries, but did, did you come away thinking, all right, this team automatically wins either the AFC or NFC championship game, and they are definitely going to the Super Bowl? Um, No. Needed to die. But I, I don't. I, I was sort of confused about the Ravens' point spread, though. Mm-hmm. I don't see that. I, I don't see the Ravens as three-and-a-half-point favorites against Patrick Mahomes. I don't think they looked great. Uh, I certainly don't think Lamar Jackson did. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, he ran so. Like, that's what he does. Uh, I wasn't impressed by them. I know there was a week of rust uh, that they had to shake off. The Niners, I expect them to play a lot better than they did against the Green Bay Packers. But yeah. that point spread's big, too. Um, but I wouldn't be shocked if the Lions pull it out. 
Kansas City visits Baltimore. That is the first game. That'll be Sunday at 3 on CBS. Baltimore, three-and-a-half-point favorite. Your total, 44 in a hook. And then it's 6.30 on Fox. Detroit, they hadn't won a playoff game in, what, 33 years? They've now won two in consecutive weekends. They go to San Francisco. San Francisco, a big line here. They're favored by seven points, a touchdown. And, again, your total is 50 and a half points. We'll talk much more about those two games. And, you know, to me, it's you have one quarterback who's won it. This is a sixth, a, this is a sixth consecutive AFC championship game for Patrick Mahomes. His first one on the road, okay? But then you look at Baltimore, Lamar Jackson. He may win his second MVP, all right? This is new for him. Uh, going to a game of this magnitude. Jerry Goff remains so un, you know, so underrated. Thought he made some really good throws over the weekend. And then Brock Purdy, who, you know, was he's the only one out of that group who was not a first round pick. He was Mr. Irrelevant. Kansas, uh, you know, San Francisco so explosive offensively. He looked bad. He did not yeah, he did not look good in this game. I think Goff is like seventy five percent completion rating. Our completion percentage, he's got like five touchdowns, no picks. By the way, nobody, every game, the quarterback who's thrown in interceptions lost the game. Like, there's been no wins in the playoffs of a guy who's thrown in interceptions still won the game. I know very small sample size, but it just shows, like, turnovers have been massive. You went 4-0 and over the weekend. Picking winners, Yes. I think two and two against the spread. I thought Houston was going to hang in there a little bit more. They, they looked like you know we're just happy to be there. We accomplished what we needed to accomplish this year. It was already a, a surprise that we're even here. Um, I expected more from that offense, but Baltimore shut it down. Even the great ones rest. That includes the Blue Crab Crab House. They're not in business on this Monday. They take that day off, but tomorrow you can get back. After it, uh, tremendous specials all week long at the Blue Crab Crab House, and they are open each and every night until 9.30. So make sure you join them, including on Wednesday night. They have $1 oysters at the Blue Crab Crab House. It's right off of San Jose on Julington Creek Road. All right, Chris Domino is next. Let's go to Atlanta. Let's learn about the brand-new defensive coordinator for the Jaguars, Ryan Nielsen, hired today by Jacksonville. Let's get a feeling on what type of defense he's going to bring the Jaguars. That's coming up right now. Into the Night with Rick Ballou on 1010XL 92.5 FM. All right, 638 on your home with the Jaguars. Great to have you with us. My name is Rick Ballou alongside JJ LaSelva. We do tonight till 8, tomorrow night after Helmets and Heels, then Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. From 6 until 8 as well. Expected to be a very busy week around here. Obviously, the hiring of uh, Ryan Nielsen is uh, the biggest bit of news. Next is his staff. And I think that's part of the conversation that if I could be the fly or be a fly on the wall is what intrigues me most. Okay? When you look at the Jaguars' personnel. And they've seen, he has seen Jacksonville's personnel. You know, they face one another this year uh, in London, right? So he's aware of it. And obviously, when he knew that he was going to interview for this job, I have to believe the first thing that you do as a coach is you study the current roster. 
and you look back on it. Then you sit down with Doug Peterson, you sit down with Trent Bulky, and you talk about what style of defense you want to employ and the talent that you have. To me, always the biggest question about a coach is, yeah, you may have the best overall scheme of anyone in football, period, but can you put that scheme in and say, run my scheme, or do you make changes based on the talent that you have? Uh, To me, that is a fascinating part of this, whether it's offense or defense. Being, Being alert enough, being intelligent enough to understand that you can't run things the same way when you go from team to team because, you know, Atlanta did things differently than Jacksonville. They were better than Jacksonville in a lot of these defensive categories. And I think that's a big part of it. You know, the other part of it becomes, is this still Doug Peterson's, you know, is this still his his team, his saying? Okay, Ryan, you're the defensive coordinator, but Bill Shuey is already on our staff. We want to keep the outside linebacker coach. He's done a really good job with Josh Allen. He's done a really good job with Trayvon Walker. He is still a part of this staff. You know, guys with lesser roles, uh, Ryan, uh, Ryan, uh, excuse me, Rory Seacrest. I almost called him Ryan Seacrest. <laughs> Rory Seacrest, an assistant defensive line coach. And, um, you know, Pat Riley, defensive quality control. Those were the three survivors of the firing. So Jacksonville feels really, you know, really impressed with them. And and that came up, I have to believe, during the interview process. But is Ryan Nielsen going to come in and say, okay, good, but I want to hire the rest of my coaches. And you get with Doug Peterson on that, or is it, uh-uh, we're going to go out, we're going to do this together. I Again, I don't know how that works. I I, I would be under the impression that Ryan Nielsen's going to be able to fill in this staff with the coaches that he wants. And I think it should be that way. Okay. That that's just my look at it. And does that include bringing some folks over uh, from Atlanta? Uh, We shall see. We do have a quote here. The Jaguars with their release uh, that came out. Oh, about 40, 45 minutes or so ago. Uh, Jacksonville announcing the hiring of of Ryan Nielsen. Here's Doug Peterson, and I quote, We're excited to welcome Ryan and have him lead our defense moving forward. Ryan is an outstanding football coach, and his defenses with the Falcons and the Saints were always fundamentally sound in both their physicality and concepts. He has the rare ability to both teach and connect with his players he builds lasting two-way relationships predicated on trust. He establishes accountability, first from himself and then the players. What I've most admired about Ryan's defenses, and we saw that this year in London back in October, was their shared intensity and enthusiasm to get the job and impact, uh, to get the job done and impact the game. End of quote. That's Doug Peterson. Moments ago, so some uh, pretty impressive words there. We are going to be checking in with uh, with Chris Domino soon from Six Eddy the Fan uh, in Atlanta to get his feelings on the type of coach uh, that Jacksonville 
was able to bring in today as a defensive coordinator. Just a couple of numbers here on what Atlanta did this past season. Uh, They went from 26th to 7th in yards allowed per play. All right. 31st to third during third down defense. Third down conversion rate. 31st to third. What a mammoth leap that was. Uh, They went from 25th to 8th overall in pass defense. So that is another very encouraging number that Ryan Nielsen was a part of in Atlanta. Uh, The Falcons under Nielsen aligned in press coverage 53.7% of the time. And 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 that is uh, it says here 53.7% of wide aligned routes in 2023. The Jaguars only 16.2%. I believe I got this from I don't know if it's PFF or if it's um uh ESPN's uh SOS. Somehow I cut it off here when I when I um uh, did did take a photo of it, uh, and I apologize for that. I, I I typically always give the source of where I got uh, this or any uh, information, uh, f- you know, f- for what it's worth. But again, I mean, Jacksonville played man defense in in wide aligned routes only sixteen point two percent of the time. That's twenty seventh in the NFL. And the Falcons turned around last year and Ryan Nielsen and did it 53.7% of the time. So, you know, it's a, it, it, it's a totally different defense. And, you know, there's been so much talk about Tyson Campbell and, you know, about Darius Williams and, and how they're better zone defensive uh, corners, you know, field corner, boundary corner. And I don't think anyone who covers this team or, or true passionate fans would dispute any of that. But in order for them to go out and hire Ryan Nielsen, again, it has to be one of two things. They believe that there's enough talent out of those two that they can successfully be um, man-to-man corners. Or Ryan Nielsen is looking at Doug Peterson and Trent Baalke and saying, okay, you know, I can budge off that concept a little bit. I, I, you know, I've studied these players on film. You want a little bit less man-to-man, we will play more zone. And again, I'm just thinking out loud here because this is new, and I I don't actually, you know, have an answer for you as far as that question. But when you can basically pick who you want, and Jacksonville interviewed six guys. As far as I know, they didn't even interview Leslie Frazier, who I thought would make perfect sense for this job. I, I, I figured that Leslie Frazier is a guy that, the team would have respected, the players would have respected because of his success, you know, really for decades. Uh, he's previously been a head coach, and he's also been really good as a defensive coordinator. That's where I thought they were going. You know, the other one was Wink Martindale, and maybe there was a little bit of concern because his toxic uh, relationship as of late uh, with Brian Dayball, and there was a little bit of that that was thrown into it. Is is that what this you know, football team needs right now uh, is a guy who's coming in with with that type of uh, reputation. Uh, as far as I'm concerned, I would have been fine with it. Absolutely would have been fine with it, but that is not where they elected to go. 
Instead, it's Ryan Nielsen, eight years, including six in New Orleans as the defensive coordinator, co-defensive coordinator. And, uh, of course, this past year just did a phenomenal job running the Atlanta Falcons defense. Let's ring up another guest on the All-Pro Roofing phone line. All right, let's go to Atlanta right now. Chris Domino, 680, the fan, certainly on top of everything that is Falcons football, and that includes Ryan Nielsen. Chris, I appreciate a few moments. Yeah, no problem at all. Sorry it was a little bit later than scheduled. Hey, you're busy, no doubt about it. Um, All right, my understanding from afar is that Ryan Nielsen did a real good job with his defense, and with everything that's going on there, including the possibility of uh, of Bill Belichick, a lot of folks in Atlanta did not want to lose this coach. Yeah, look, there were moments that this defense, uh, one-year contracts coming out of cap hell that was around here a couple of years ago, it was at times, you know, relatively speaking, really good. But there were other times that it was collapse here, collapse there. Um, The offense did this group no favors, no doubt about it. 14 on the road, less than 20 with Arthur Smith who was supposed to bring you offense. So you you had to be almost perfect. By NFL standards, you had to be almost perfect to win football games if you were Ryan Nielsen and his side. And that's just not going to happen over the course of 17. What was the most interesting thing around here is they said no at first when the requests were coming in, and then all of a sudden it was yes. And all the conclusions being jumped to were, Bill Belichick's coming, he's not going to need a defensive coordinator, therefore let's allow these guys to go interview Mm-hmm. And I don't know if Belichick is coming. I mean, every day on our show, I I keep I don't care about pro football pro football focus. I don't care about win probabilities. I go by my index, and that number is dropping every day with Bill Belichick because I think he's trying to create maybe a market for himself. And I do think the Falcons are doing a whole bunch of due diligence by talking to a lot of guys. And I hope Harbaugh comes in here for a second interview. But you know, Nielsen was tasked with take a group of guys who hadn't played together lose Grady Jarrett, and and be almost perfect every week. And that's just not going to happen. What type of coach is he, Chris? Is he a player's coach? Is he a guy that, you know, demands um, accountability? Will, will he get on players? Yeah. What type of coach is he? So, I, you know, you guys know NFL assistants, even coordinators, don't talk very much during the right. year. I right. can tell you the things that you ask people about is um, simplicity. When you have a bunch of guys who haven't played together, and then again, you lose Grady Jarrett, you're going to ask guys, and guys weren't drafted very high because we were spending picks really on the offensive side of the football, and a guy like Calais Campbell to come in and be a leader, I think what Ryan Nielsen did really well is I think he let a guy whose ability still is there and whose enthusiasm for the game is still there, he let him and Campbell be a guy that these young guys should look up to. And I can tell you this, when he got his 100th sack, it was one of those where you go, that entire side of the football, look, I know it was the whole building and organization, but when, when you see a group of defenders as happy for a guy when he reaches a milestone as that, you know that the coordinator is allowing that to happen. This isn't a stoic guy. It's not a stoic group. He wants enthusiasm. The one thing he really couldn't do was blitz from the light towers. I don't know if he's that type of guy or he would have been if he had maybe a little bit more speed on the outside and a couple of more linebackers. But this team hasn't really sacked quarterbacks a lot, and he was not going to fix that. This team can't send linebackers because the linebackers really haven't been that athletic. I think this guy came up with solid game plans. And then, you know, again, the infamous, what can you do while, while the game is going on? Well, you don't have the most talented bunch, so it's a little bit limited as to what you can do. I would say overall, he did a nice job. It's just that they were never going to be as good 
as they needed them to be to win more games. Chris Domino, our guest, 680 The Fan in Atlanta. Ryan Nielsen announced about an hour ago as the new defensive coordinator of the Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, is there a coach or coaches on that staff that you believe Ryan Nielsen has to bring with him here to Duval? Oh, you know, that's a good question. I don't know what the relationships are. Look, we all know how this works. Um, you get a head coaching job first, you bring me in. I get a first, I'll bring you in. And I don't know really what the linebacker, defensive lineman, DBs, I don't know sort of what he'll be allowed to do. Because remember, you only have to allow a guy to go if he gets a bump in the position. So I don't know what Nielsen's going to really want to move up to, whatever it might be. If he had a guy mm-hmm. on staff that wasn't a, a linebacker's coach, would he make him a linebacker's coach? You know, defensive specialist, a quality control guy, does that become a guy who gets a position? Uh, to be determined in that regard. But again, when you talk to people about him, I will say this. Football guy, uh, not overly hard-nosed, where he's also, you know, he's going to be a hard knocks. If they were on hard knocks, I don't think you would have seen Ryan Nielsen playing the part of defensive coordinator from a 1970s bad B movie. I think he's more steady than that. I think he's more message-driven than that. And I think he just realizes that we're going to have to piecemeal things together uh, as a game goes along, not as the season goes along. And again, I thought he did a nice job. This team gave up fourth quarter leads, no doubt about it. They weren't maybe deep enough to ensure that that was not going to happen as, as often as it did at times. But uh, I, I was kind of okay with the idea that he was going to stay if they hired a guy on the offensive side of the football. I kind of like the fact that they gave him an opportunity. And the fact that he got hired as quickly as he did will let you know what his reputation might be. All right, Chris, let's wrap it up with this. And it, it, it's somewhat of an unfair question for the reason that you <laughs> gave us that you know, salary cap hell and, and you know, yeah. big injuries and, and trying yeah. to piece things together. But to me, the the making of a great coach is everyone can have the best scheme in football, but it's about adapting to the talent that you have on the team that you're with. So we keep hearing man-to-man defense, particularly in the secondary. Jacksonville was one of the fewest snaps in man-to-man this past year. They're a zone-based uh-huh. defense. What do you believe? With all of this coming over here, is it going to be much more man-to-man, or is he going to have to look at Tyson Campbell, Darius Williams, and company, and say, uh-huh. I don't know if I have the talent to run it the way I did in Atlanta? So I will, I will preface it with this. You have a much better quarterback situation than we had here, and I do think possessions, you could probably live in a world where you get one less possession or two, and maybe, again, I know that people are trying to figure out what Trevor Lawrence is in terms of his abilities right now, but we didn't have that luxury. Uh, I don't believe when somebody tells me a guy has to play a 3-4 or 4-3 because quite honestly it doesn't make any sense you have five dbs on the field so often there's no such thing as a 4-3 or a 3-4 being a primary defense if you have nickels on the field for more than 50 percent of the time which everybody does because of the way the league is i do believe that a coach you're right i believe the one thing is what do i have uh i'll, I'll use the bad movie analogy it's it's apollo 13 you know when they throw everything on the table what do you need what do you keep what do you get rid of that's going to work. That's not going to work. Get that out of here. That's just going to waste our time. Uh, I think probably he's already in film study. I believe that he has everything he needs to see what talent he has. I don't know what your free agent situation is. I don't know who you might lose in that department, and that's certainly going to play in, or who you might bring in in free agency. Him working with the GM is going to be a part of that to figure out scheme maybe a little bit sooner instead of later. But I do know this is the combine. He seems to have enough of a reputation to know this is what we're going to need. Uh, GM might have the picks, head coach might have the picks, and it's not going to be him, but I don't think he's going to go in there lobbying for something that doesn't make sense for him. I do know what you're asking. Can you actually, you know, square peg round hole 
what these guys hadn't done, uh, there might be a few casualties. There might be a few guys who don't have the job anymore, but, but I also think that he'll probably line up pretty distinctly what it is he's going to need to make this defense be as good as possible pretty quickly. Outstanding. Hey, when are the Falcons going to decide here? And it sounds to me like I don't know. you're bigger on Harbaugh than, than Belichick. Am I, I wrong? I am. Oh, I am. I'm bigger on Harbaugh. Um, yeah, the Belichick thing is interesting. I think he's trying, you know, I, me personally, I think he's trying to create a market for himself. I hope this organization doesn't get used. Uh, I would not be shocked, and this is just me, if his agent might not have been on the phone with Buffalo saying, you think Bill Belichick would lose with Josh Allen? I don't know how it works in that world. I don't know how many knives you really might put in somebody's back. Uh, but I do think that Bill Belichick might be looking to get leverage. Jim Harbaugh doesn't need leverage. You know, that's part of the beauty. If he comes back for a second interview, he's not going to create it to get more money out of Spanos in San Diego or to get Michigan to do one more thing in that contract of his that we keep hearing about. I just think he's interested possibly in a job. And I do hope he comes in, and I do hope he has a second interview. And I would certainly take him. And quite honestly, I'd probably take one or two of the coordinators before I take Belichick. I don't think he's forgotten football. But there's a reason Nick Saban goes away. There's a reason 72-year-old guys don't coach in the NFL. It's hard. And, and I don't want him going after Don Shula's record uh, and that being the main reason. Look, he's got pride. I'm sure he is bummed about the way the last few years go. I know winning a Super Bowl without Brady would be a big thing for him. But I don't even know if that's possible in three years here. So I don't know what he wants. Yeah, you know, we have an expression in the old neighborhood. What does that guy want? I don't know what he wants. I don't know what he wants. And if I don't know what you want, I'm a little bit leery of you. Yeah, interesting. Hey, Chris, thank you so much. Appreciate the time. All right, guys. So, again, sorry I was a little bit late. No problem. None whatsoever. Chris Domino with uh, 680 The Fan in Atlanta. Uh, decades ago, I used to be on that late at night. Enjoyed it. 680 The Fan. Atlanta's an interesting sports town. It really is. Chris really good at what he does. Appreciate him joining us. I'm, I'm just, you know, searching over the Falcons' uh, defensive coaches. One that really sticks out to me is Jerry Gray, assistant head coach, defensive assistant. Okay, doesn't really have a, a positional title. Uh, assistant head coach, defensive assistant. He kind of overlooks uh, everything uh, defensively. I think that's one. Uh, that that you would look at. Um, John Shipley tweeted out that Frank Bush, the linebackers coach, once coached Foyer Aluakon. They're going to have to make a decision on Foyer Aluakon. Okay? The guy is making a tremendous amount of money. Matter of fact, let's come back and touch on that a little bit to begin our uh, second hour. Let me find that real quick here. Before the break, it's it's really it's it's quite scary, uh, if you will. Some of the money that is in on some of these players. Uh, let's see, God, will you you put in? All right, here we go. Foyer Luicon. Oh, man, let's save this for next hour. It, we'll begin with it, as I said. But Foyer Luicon has a cap hit. Of $21,750,000 as a linebacker, as a non-pass rushing linebacker, that can't happen. And, and, and they can't let him go. And don't Chad Mooma me, all right? I'm not in any mood for a Chad Mooma on a Monday. You've got to find a way to restructure this contract. Absolutely. Second hour is coming up right after this. 
Let's go into the night with Rick Ballou on 1010XL 92.5 FM. Morale is up in Duval. Ryan Nielsen. He is your new defensive coordinator. Mike Caldwell and the staff is gone outside of Bill Shuey, Rory Seacrest, and Pat Riley. Is he going to bring coaches along with him? I have to believe he will. And I got to believe that that was a major part of the conversation that Ryan Nielsen did have with Doug Peterson as well as Trent Baalke. All right, as promised, let's see here. Here's the top. I'm going to leave Trevor Lawrence alone because that's obvious. One, two, three, four, five, six. Here's the top seven cap hits for the Jaguars in 2024. I'm going to give you the name and the number, and I'm going to tell you what I think this organization should do with them. JJ, I want you to jump in here as well. Top overall salary cap hit in 2024 for your Jacksonville Jaguars. Christian Kirk, $24,384,000. Restructure. Yeah. Uh, I don't know how the restructuring works. That would be great, but you got to bring them back. None of us regardless. know how it works. The yeah. salary cap is fake according to some people. And, and and for the record, I think there's a chance of more coming back compared to less coming back because I do believe that Trent Baalke is going to change his way of building this year's roster. I think he's finally under pressure. I believe that if he doesn't win this year, and he did win, 9-8, and eight, that may be enough for Sean. It's not enough for you. It's not enough for you. But it may be for Sean. How about Prisco, by the way, saying he could walk away? I know. <laughs> You're going to have to fire me. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm getting all that money. You're gonna, I'm going to make Shad fire me if I'm him. And Pete's like, um, I don't care if he knows. He doesn't like me. I'm like, well, <laughs> who does Trent like? <laughs> I mean, the guy is whatever. It's not personal for me. It's professional. It's about winning. And, again, he's 9-8. and eight. He's 9-8, and eight, right? Brandon Sheriff, $23,967,000. He gone. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. His career's probably over. Foyer Oluicon, $21,750,000. Restructure. Yeah, do your best to bring him back. Have to. You have to. Cam Robinson, $21,638,000. He gone. I disagree. Okay. I still think he's your best choice at left tackle right now. A lot of people are going to agree with you. And remember what I just said about Bulky having to win this year. This might, if Jacksonville was 11 and 6, 12 and 5, lost in the divisional round, and there wasn't the pressure, then maybe you can move on. Look to the future. Right. But I don't think Trent Bulky can look to the future. So all that, you know, let's redo a Trevor deal, unless the sal- unless this makes more sense, where you don't pay him anything this year. That's another part of it. But let's leave the Trevor thing alone right now. Again, I and, and, and I say this not, not in a way that I'm lazy and I haven't researched. I just haven't I, – I, I don't understand completely the salary cap and restructuring and signing bonus and how you don't pay as much in year one and – I have somewhat of an understanding, but there's there just appears to be a lot of loopholes. I'm assuming a lot of deferred money. 
or upfront money. I... <laughs> yeah. That's, that's all I got. Yeah. And, and I will give credit to Trent Baalke. I think the way that he's put together these contracts were really, really good for the first two years. It, it became year three where you're like, oh, boy. You know, what's this team going to do? And we've seen a lot of restructuring. We've already seen it with Kirk. We've seen it with uh, Rayshon, right? Roy Robertson Harris. Yes. Big Foley. Um, anyway. Uh, so you and I disagree there. Okay. Uh, Big Foley. $12,808,000. He's gone. Yeah, I'm fine with him leaving. Been a disappointment. Let's see here. He signed through. Although that's not a lot of money. No, it's not. This is really the last year of his deal. They're all voidable years in 25, 26, and 27. He does have a cap number in 2025 of $4,452,000. says that it is dead cap money, too, for the same amount. We'll see if that's post-June 1st, if that changes. Uh, it's cut in half, basically. I still would be shocked if uh, he just didn't play well. I mean. Like, yeah, he's cheap, but he's stunk. Yeah, let's forget about the money for a second. He he played himself out of a contract. Right. I'm, I'm not bringing him back. Rayshon, you know, Rayshon Jenkins, $12,284,000. He's gone. Yeah, it's too much. Too much for a safety. And Jacksonville's got concerns in their in their um in their secondary. This is the final year for Andre Cisco. This is the final year for Tyson Campbell. And Darius Williams is is fascinating here as to what this team is going to do. Let me pull up Williams real quick because he's not on this list as the top seven. He would actually be number eight, uh Darius Williams. Okay, Darius Williams this year is going to play uh, for actually he should be on here. This is a mistake. He should be ahead of Zay Jones. Uh, Eleven million five hundred thousand dollars is his cap. Is, is his cap number? You can cut him. Oh boy. You can cut Darius Williams, and you're only paying out five hundred thousand dollars. You get to bring back eleven million. Okay, so. That's what it comes down to for Darius Williams. In my mind, he's good enough to be around here for a few years. I think that's another major candidate to be restructured. He's a 30-year-old, so, you know, after 30, we now things go in this league. Can you, can you hang on to him for two more years? I, I would try to do that with Darius Williams. Just my opinion. I thought he played good enough this year to come back, but they might think about we could use that money somewhere else. Yeah, and, you know, the, our whole first hour. That's a lot to save. Our whole first hour on Ryan Nielsen was about what? His man-to-man defensive scheme and principles where Darius Williams has been a much better zone defensive corner. So maybe that mind is already made up. Don't know. Finally, uh, number seven, uh, Matt, we'll make it number eight on this list because I added Williams. Uh, Zay Jones, $11 million. Uh, he's gone. You got to let him go. Yeah. You know, Injuries killed yeah. his season last year. And even if they didn't, 
It's a lot to bring back. We always knew this would be the last year. This season was his last one here. Right. He's got voidable years in 25, 26, and 27, including a cap number of $3.5 million next year. I don't know how that comes into play if he is released this year. Again, this is part of the contract, the future contracts that I don't get. I don't know how much of that is guaranteed. But it does say here, if you were to let Zay Jones go, just flat out release him, uh, you are going to, well, that's a that's a hefty pay. It says here $6,569,000 you're going to have to uh, eat and you'd recoup $4.1 million. Let me see if that changes post-June 1st. Well, it does. Okay. So it makes total sense. If I'm reading this contract right, it makes total sense for Zay Jones to be cut post-June 1st, all right? The dead cap money goes to just $3 million, and you are able to bring back $7.7 million. See, what's hard about a situation like this is obviously post-June 1st, well, if you need that money for free agents, you're not going to be able to get it until after all those free agents have signed. The free agents are going to sign. You have that 20, you have that 48-hour window beginning on March 11th where, you know, you're, I guess, legally allowed to tamper and you go out and make your play. And, you know, Trent Bulky, including Zay Jones, Trent Bulky was very active on those first two days, you know, going back a few years ago when he brought in all these players, both offensive and defensive players. Uh, there's not a lot of really good street free agents that are out there that you can, I shouldn't say street free agents, but regular free agents that you can bring in post-June 1st. Unless there's a lot of teams in a similar situation like this with the Jaguars where they're, remember the, the era of the NFL where things changed on June 1st? That there would be like another um, large amount of players who could still play, who became available because of contracts. And it feels like we haven't really had as much of that as of late. Maybe there are a bunch of teams this year that are going to be in a similar boat with the Jaguars. I mean, if I'm reading this correctly and I'm at overthecap.com, it makes total sense for Jacksonville to wait until June 1st to cut Zay Jones than it would be prior to June 1st. You, you cut him in March – you're gonna pay. Uh, you're gonna eat six million five hundred and sixty-nine thousand. Not to be redundant, if you wait until June first, you're only gonna eat three million dollars. So you're saving an additional three point six million. Hmm, that's fascinating. It really is. Let me check. Um, let me check Foley on that. Just to make sure I'm clear on my numbers, and then uh, we're gonna switch things up a little bit. Uh, Big Foley, yeah, man. I mean that that is quite a uh, that is quite a dead cap hit. I mean, he's got no chance of coming back. Nine million two hundred sixty nine thousand dollars, man. That is huge. Post, yeah, you cut it in half. Four million eight hundred. So, and you know, let's kind of put things into context here. You, we're six weeks away from free agency. We're 94 days away from the NFL draft. 
So if it if it goes the way that I'm reading these contracts, I would expect Big Foley and I would expect uh, Zay Jones to still be on the roster, to still be on the 90-man roster when you go through free agency and when you go through the NFL draft, and then you wouldn't make that transaction until about a month later, right? Late April is when the draft is, so you go through May and you can make this transaction on June 1st. But I want to be crystal clear on this. This because the dead cap money says this on overthecap.com. I do not know how those individual contracts read. Is there a way to get out of it before and recoup more money than is being reported? Am I clear on that? Because there's been times over the years where I've used this or I've gone to spot rack and I've I've looked at the numbers that they have, but the numbers that the Jaguars have and that the actual player has is a little bit different. I I hope you understand that. This isn't as simple as just, you know, looking at uh, player statistics. This is some, you know, with roster bonuses and game bonuses and things like that. Workout bonuses are my favorite. I mean, there's so many. For coming to practice. There could be so many things in here that I don't know about. So I I don't and I'm not I love the websites. I'm not ripping the websites. I'm just saying I I would not say this with 100% certainty. Uh, it could be flawed in one way or another. At least I've learned that from experience over the years. I, I they're both fantastic. Uh, I love what they do providing these numbers for us, but uh so there you have it. Uh, makes total sense to me. Uh, to move on from those players. Really, the only one J.J. and I disagreed with was uh, on Cam. And, see, this is what's great about being a Jaguar fan this year. And I'll admit it, when I'm looking at this team, I don't always look at just the year in front of us. I'm looking at several years down. That's several, but... Certainly 2025, okay? Let's see, a two-year plan. Maybe in some situations a three-year plan. Certainly that would be the case with Trevor Lawrence. But I believe the pressure's up. So, you know, as far as putting things together long-term, you know, sprinkling a little bit here. No, he costs too much. You got to let him go. Maybe this is the year you hold on to some of these players. Maybe they're thinking, absolutely. You know, Foley was beaten up. He still can contribute. We're not going to pay that dead cap money. We're going to make Foley, uh, Fatakase play the final year of his contract. Or I don't trust our other safety right now. You know, he was injured last year. He was a rookie. We're going to bring back Rayshaw. I don't know what it could be, but maybe the thinking is this is the way to go about it because I have to win this year as opposed to preparing for 2025 and 2026 as well. You also have to be danger, you know, you also have to be concerned with that. That's what cost Coughlin his job first time here. He didn't understand the cap. And he tried to win then, tried to win now, right? And then it caught him with dead cap money the following couple of years. So you know, does he have full autonomy to do this? Has Trent Bulky basically been told, you do whatever you want to do? 
Or all of a sudden, is there someone else that's reporting directly to Shah Khan saying, Shah, this is the way the future salary cap looks. He wants to do this. Are you going to sign off on it? I've always been under the impression that Shah Khan doesn't know enough about football to give an opinion. Right? He's not a football guy. But he's a guy who writes the checks. Is there someone now that's going to say to Shah Khan, if we bring back this player under these terms, this is the way the contract's going to look in 25, 26, 27, et cetera. It's just something to consider. So that, that in itself is pretty fascinating, if you do ask me. All right, let's get to some of you. Man, look at all of these coming in on the text line. 641-1010. Why wouldn't you restructure Zay? Maybe you will. I wouldn't restructure Zay because he's been in some trouble. Really on every stop, right? He's had issues, and he's unhealthy. Um, I happen to really like him an awful lot personally. I I, I hate the off-the-field stories. I do. But they're there. Are you going gonna to give him all that upfront money for a guy who at best is a third-wide receiver? He's got off-the-field issues. He's got personal issues, and he can't stay healthy. So, no, not a chance in the world that I restructure Zay Johnson. Into the Night with Rick Ballou on 1010XL 92.5 FM. Uh, 641-1010 is the text line brought to you by Lifetime Enclosures. Just got a good text here reminding me of, uh, or it takes us back to it's about a year ago, February 28th of uh, 2023 from uh, Field Yates. The Jaguars converted a total of $32,657,000 of base salary. Kirk, Zay, and Brandon Sheriff, they converted that money into signing bonuses, creating a total of $26.14 million in salary cap space. Again, you can create. You can create a ton of money. There's no question. That is from the 6130. Um, I do appreciate that. You know, a couple of other things to consider here with Ryan Nielsen and, and the Jaguars' defense. Trey Herndon's free agent, Right? I, you know, I, I think it's time to move on. I, as a matter of fact, I didn't even have him. I had him getting beaten out, but you had the, you know, unfortunately you had the injuries uh, with Antonio Johnson and company that, that kind of uh, stunted that growth, um, if you will. But, you know, I'd be surprised if that is the direction that they go. I think Antonio Johnson is obviously the future. Dewan Smoot's a free agent? No. That didn't work, right? I mean, great career. Still favoring the knee. I, I just can't see any team knocking over his door and, and saying, come to camp. We want you. So maybe you can really get him on the cheap. And maybe that becomes a, you know, a late summer acquisition, if you will. I, I don't think that's anywhere near a priority 
And if you can address that via free agency or the draft, then you do that. That's the problem with Jacksonville. They have two really good edge rushers. Of course, Josh Allen is is responsibility number one at this football team is going to have to do. You can't let him go. You're either going to slap a franchise tag on him or sign him long term. But after that, you got no pass rush. I mean, you got nothing. You know, Caleb on Chase on's a free agent. He's gone. But that's going to be interesting to see what they do. Zero nine zero three. Rick, what's your solution at left tackle? I'd play Walker Little. I would. Year four of his deal. Uh, this organization is has really done a bad job with Walker Little. They have. Uh, here's the guy who started at Stanford at left tackle as a rookie, as a freshman. You know, they brought him in. They immediately put him on the right side. They asked him to win the battle with Jawan Taylor. He got beat out. Uh, he then got just a few snaps when Taylor went down. And, of course, he went over to the left side when Cam went down. So his starts in this league have all been on the left side. And the first four games of the year, he was clearly the best offensive lineman on this football team. When Cam came back off a of suspension, they slid him into left guard, and he was injured after 11 snaps. Tried to come back, not nearly the same type of player. But this is so frustrating because here it is year four, and you're trying to figure out, do you put a slap the fifth-year first-round option on Travis Etienne, obviously you're going to put that on Trevor. You got final years of contracts with Cisco and with Campbell, and now you're wondering about Walker Little. What does Jacksonville know about Walker Little? He's played three years. What do you know? How could you write a book on him? You can't even write a chapter on him. I mean, that's that's. A, a part of this that that really boils my blood. That's that's mismanagement. That's that's poor organizational skills. That's poor coaching. All right. I mean, talking about Cam Robinson, there was not way. I mean, there's no way that you could consider putting him on what put him on the right side. This is Cam Robinson. I mean, Cam's playing. Since Pop Wana, he's been on the left side. I mean, okay. Am I wrong? Was Walker Little the best offensive lineman the first four games of the year? So good luck trying to figure that out. I get that's where I'm going. Because I want to bring back the $17,750,000. But I'll tell you right now, I wouldn't bet on this with your money. I think there's a real good chance that Cam Robinson re- comes back. And and maybe in that building they're thinking, uh-uh, Walker Little's just the guy. He's a Ben Barch. He's a Luke Jokel. He's an Andrew Norwell. You know, he's a Zane Beatles. I, I don't know. I, I don't. It, it's, fr- it's frustrating because we don't know anything. We know nothing about Walker Little. They've screwed it up, and he hasn't helped himself. By being injured. 0361, Baloo, what do you do with Calvin Wrigley? I tell you one thing you don't do. You don't franchise tag him. You can't. He needs to practice. You can't have him miss all offseason and show up for week one. He's not on the same page with Trevor Lawrence. 
If there's one guy who needs to practice, it's Calvin Ridley. So I am automatically eliminating tagging Calvin Ridley. If you want to give him, at the age of 30, a three-year contract, I'd be okay with that. Are you going to pay him top five money? Are you going to pay him top 10 money? I'm not. Is he going to give you a hometown discount? I doubt it. I think they'll try to get it done with Calvin Wrigley. It took us until the 18th week and 17th game to finally see an explosive play with Calvin Wrigley. After everything we witnessed in the month of August, that's scary to me. Um, I wonder about him and his emotions. I thought he was a real baby about the way he handled being asked about running the wrong routes. It was a fair question. It was one that this city wanted an answer to. And he didn't want to answer it. He was a baby about it. Apparently sulked about it. Press Taylor a day later had to put it all on Trevor Lawrence. Come on. This isn't the rough, tough media here. This isn't filled with contrarians and people who are defined by hate that want to see people fail. It was a fair question. And if that bothered him, then I really got to look at it and say, is this man, is he long for the job? But it's one of two things. Either he, he's not going to sign a one-year show-me deal. He just basically played that out. So you're talking three years for Calvin Wrigley, probably in the neighborhood of $16, $17 million a year. You're going to pay that for Calvin Wrigley. I, um, I'd rather have him than Cam Robinson. I'd rather have him than Brandon Sheriff. I'd rather have him than Foley Fatakase. I'd rather have him than Rayshon Jenkins. So, yeah. But I think that's a major conversation with Trevor Lawrence and company. Whether or not you bring him back. Just don't. Oh, my gosh. If this, if this organization tags him, <laughs> I mean... Come on. He's the one guy that needs the practice. Can you imagine if they did that? And they, that'd be so Jacksonville, too. It w- I mean, that'd be just laughable. There's no way that I can see this. And, 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 and I've mentioned it now a bunch of times, and not one of you have, has questioned me on it. So there's no way that we can all see it. And they can't over there. Right? Thank you for that. That's the... Uh, Zero three six one. All right, let's uh let me take our final one of the night. My gosh, where is the time gone? Final thoughts on this. Got a little bit of Florida State news for you that's juicy. Really, really juicy. I don't think I've ever used the word juicy on radio, except for three times there in the last ten seconds. Into the Night with Rick Ballou on 1010XL 92.5 FM. All right, the ACC's been busy. Announcing their kickoff weekend. And uh, it's pretty interesting here, involved with Florida State. Of course, they're opening up the year over in, uh, in Dublin against Georgia Tech. Um. Really tempted to go, but 
that'd be kind of selfish because I, and I say that not as though you expect information from me, but man, I love camp. I'm one of the few that I know who actually does. I, I love being out there sweating at the Miller Electric Center, reporting on what I saw uh, during practice and then coming on at night uh, to talk about it. I, I absolutely, and that would be smack dab right in the middle of training camp. So I, I, I don't see where I'm going to end up going, but that is going to be the case uh, for Florida State. They're going to open up over there on the 24th of August. And then their home date, is going to be on Labor Day evening, all right? I think that is September 2nd, and it's going to be Boston College. That is going to be the matchup in God's country. So the first two games of the year have been announced uh, for Florida State on the 24th in London, or excuse me, in Dublin against Georgia Tech. Florida State, by the way, an early 12-and-a-half-point favorite in that one. Yes, you can already bet on that game. And then, of course, a week later, it is going to be Boston College in Tallahassee. That'll be on Labor Day evening. Uh, before we get to our uh, takeaways here, how about Nick Dunlap over the weekend? First time in 33 years, an amateur wins an event on the PGA Tour. The last man to do it was Phil Mickelson back in 1991. He's a sophomore at Alabama, and he won out of La Quinta, and, you know, he wasn't eligible for the purse, so he, he would have put in his pocket $1.5 million. I, I, I got to believe that, and it was rumors that he was going to announce that he was going pro as early as today or this week. I don't know what the set of circumstances are. Uh, yeah, it hurts that he left that money on the table. Those are the rules for an amateur, but I got to believe that there are endorsements and companies that are willing to take this guy on almost immediately. And uh, now he gets exemptions. Right. 29 under par. 29 so, under. And, and there was a couple big names in, in second place, I believe, third place. Um, so it wasn't just like he was, you know, early in the season you get some of these strange events. But it looked to be a strong enough field. Um, but, yeah, he might not make the money now, but he's got exemptions now, I'm sure, to, like, play in the Masters and stuff like that for a while. First time it's happened in uh, 33 years. I don't know if I understand this one. I want to answer it for him. The 9404 says, Baloo, can you explain letting a $9 million someone go and signing someone new for the same amount of money? I'm not being a smartass. Just don't know how that works. I, I, I think if you, if you don't bring back a guy who you owe $9 million and go out and spend $9 million on another guy, I think the, the simple reasoning there is that you, you think the player you're adding is better. Uh, younger. Uh, I don't know if I completely understand uh, your question, but um, I appreciate the effort anyway. From the 9404. Now, today's takeaways brought to you by Key Buick GMC, where our family dealership has been helping families buy vehicles for over 50 years. And a big fan of the folks over there at Key Buick GMC, right across the street from Tinseltown Southside. And Gate absolutely love my key GMC Sierra truck, the GF Herb Buick Enclave, uh, they, uh, which as well comes from Key. And right now the lot is filled. Brand new 24s uh, that you can choose from. Uh, still plenty of 2023s that are there. Used vehicles. Okay. You name it, they have it. 
And uh, that's a big deal is, is having trucks and cars actually on the lot. And that is certainly the case right now over at Key Buick GMC right across the street from Tinseltown, Southside and Gay. Today, it's all about Ryan Nielsen. If you have not heard, get out of work later, whatever it may be. He is the new defensive coordinator of the Jacksonville Jaguars. The numbers, I really didn't get into too many of them. Maybe we'll do that a little bit later on the week. But you look at some of the numbers that he was a part of this year in Atlanta, and it's it's absolutely spectacular. And we did talk with Chris Domino about it. He said perhaps the most impressive part of it all uh, was the fact that he did it with, you know, Grady Jarrett getting injured and and basically coming out of salary cap hell, trying to mix and match, and still along with all of that type of stuff, um, the improvement that the defense made was absolutely spectacular. Uh, let me find if, if I have this for us. I know I put it down a little bit earlier. Uh, uh, never mind, I lost it. Um, but much improvement and just a ton of uh, defensive statistics. I mean, you mentioned one. And it absolutely did change, including going from 26th to 7th in yardage allowed, 31st to 3rd in 3rd down defense, and from 25th to 8th overall in pass defense. That's just a couple of numbers. So Ryan Nielsen is in eight years in the National Football League, spent six as a co-defensive coordinator of the Saints, and this past year took over the Atlanta Falcons defense, and he will now run things there. I, I, I think the next... The next biggest question, and hopefully we'll have, this is where it becomes the sooner the better, right? And that is our coaches joining him from Atlanta, okay? And that becomes, as far as I'm concerned, really the most important part of all this. If he has guys, and the one that I keep looking at is Jerry Gray, the assistant head coach and defensive assistant uh, Frank Bush is a guy who coached Foyer Oluwakan, the linebacker coach, a couple of years ago. So those are a few that really do stick out. But I would have to believe that if he is going to bring in coaches from Atlanta, and they still haven't decided who their head coach is going to be, these guys need jobs, that that will happen perhaps as early as tomorrow. That would be my understanding. That would be my guess. Now, the two-minute drill. Brought to you by Tire Outlet. Tire Outlet is now hiring. Visit tireoutlet.com slash careers, equal opportunity employer. All right, Hacker Nation time right here on the home of the Jaguars. Yeah, busy day. Yeah. Obviously with the news of Ryan Nielsen. The interesting thing is, I know you had Chris Domino on earlier. I got uh, D. Orlando Ledbetter coming on later on tonight, as well as John Michaels from 680 The Fan, Ledbetter from the AJC. Apparently, Nielsen, when he got hired in Atlanta, the defensive staff was already there. Mm. He didn't hire his guys. So mm. he was basically told, okay, you're working with these guys. So I don't know if he would bring anybody with him from Atlanta. I don't know if they built a rapport in one year's time or not. That's weird to me, though, right? You would have a staff in place and then hire a D.C. in Atlanta and say, yep, that's your linebacker coach. That's your you know, your secondary coach. Well, the big, the big deal here was to keep Bill Shealy. You know, he's worked so well with Josh Allen and, and now Trayvon Walker that he stayed on. A couple of other coaches, I don't want to devalue their job, but you're talking about Rory Seacrest, an assistant defensive line coach, and then Pat Riley, a quality control defensive coach. Not nearly as important as your passing game coordinator, 
if they have a run game coordinator, your secondary coach, your linebacker coach, your defensive line coach, although, you know, Ryan Nielsen has extensive background. When he was a co-defense coordinator in New Orleans, he was also the defensive line coach. So, yeah, that that is very interesting. Um, but I have to believe that that was part of the conversation. If, if he's coming here, I would think that he'd want to bring some coaches with him. I would think he probably would, too. Again, he only worked with those guys for one year in Atlanta, but I would think certainly you can build a rapport in that amount of time. And look, he's a D-line guy, and I was watching video of him earlier. Attack, attack, attack. That's all you hear him shouting to his players, and the players seem to love him. Uh, John Michaels uh, is going to tell us, he told me earlier, he has Grady Jarrett on 680 The Fan every Tuesday morning during the year, and Grady Jarrett raved about Ryan Nielsen. So obviously the players really like him and it starts the healing process, right? I mean, the last two weeks, Rick, we tried to figure out the world's problems when it comes to the Jaguars. Well, now it's about putting the pieces back together and hiring a defensive coordinator is the first step in that process. Yeah. And they had such a bad offense. The field position was up against him quite a bit. And you know, that's something that uh, Chris Domino and I did talk about. The, the only surprise for me with this move, and I know you and I talked about it last week. Typically, when something doesn't work, you go in a totally different direction. Doug Peterson built this team with a first-time offensive, defensive, and special teams coordinator. I thought Leslie Frazier, Wink Martindale, a guy with a ton, ton of experience. Yes, he was a co-defensive coordinator for six years, but he's only had the full keys to a team for one year in Atlanta. And that's where they went for the hire. Yeah, he's 44 years old. He'll be 45 when the season starts. So he's a relatively young guy. But he was in high regard. Jacksonville and a couple other teams reached out to Atlanta about interviewing him a couple weeks ago. Remember, they were initially blocked. But it appears now Atlanta, Bill Belichick, might be a done deal by this time tomorrow. We'll see. Obviously, he's going to go in a different direction. So Atlanta opens it up. Ryan Nielsen's made available. And lo and behold, he's the Jaguar defensive coordinator. All right, so you got that coming up on Ryan Nielsen. What else? Yeah, both two trips to Atlanta tonight. John Michael, 680 the fan at 820. D. Orlando Wedbetter of the Atlanta Journal-Constitution in the 9 o'clock hour. And it's also Monday night. It means Monday night coaching with Campo. Our guy Dave Campo will stop by at 9 o'clock. And I just saw this across the wire, Rick. I don't know if you brought it up yet. Uh, the Titans look like they have a new head coach. Callahan, the OC from Cincinnati, apparently they're not letting him leave the building in Nashville. They are finalizing a deal to make him the new head coach of the Tennessee Titans. Maybe things will really pick up this week. It's been kind of slow as far as head coaches, general managers, coordinators. Of course, uh, that move there, so that becomes the third vacancy that was filled. And, of course, the Jags do get their man defensively with the addition of Ryan Nielsen. All right, Hack, have a lot of fun. That's going to do it for us. Tomorrow night after Helmets and Heels. And Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, 6 to 8. I would expect this defensive staff to get assembled perhaps as early as tomorrow. At least maybe some names will start to trickle in. Should be interesting. Thank you to Chris Domino with 680 The Fan for joining us. on Ryan Nielsen. Thank you to our producer, J.J. LaSalva. I do not check the text line. Now that the show is over, if you want to get me, please do so on Twitter or X. Baloo1010XL. I am Rick Baloo. We'll talk tomorrow right here on your Home of the Jags.